0: How are you doing? Good. I got sent a fab video this morning, uh, which I haven't had time to save in any appropriate format to share it with you yet, but I will do later. Uh, from our friends in CM Reap, from Salmon Abbey, they uh, sent me a video of their worship team rehearsing and doing a song which was partly in English and uh, partly in Khmer, which is really impressive and it's good to be able to see Abbey singing in Khmer. So uh, that's uh, that, that was pretty good going. I'll I'll share that somewhere when I find out how to save it and and share it with you. Um, But I thought I'd encourage you there. Meetings are going uh, really well in the school. Uh, It's just been great to see God bless them and his hand be upon them as they've started gathering together in a much more public setting. Uh, rather than their home just over these last few weeks. So uh, I know many of you have been praying for them, so thank you for that. Keep keep praying for them, and uh, we'll hear from them. I'm hoping in the next few weeks there's some uh, more news as to what's going on out there. Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you'd like to grab it and turn to the Gospel of Mark. So... I think it was some point towards the end of last year that Tim and I sat down um, and uh, we looked at the Gospel of Mark and we planned out this preaching series and we planned it to land with the Easter story uh, account in Mark's Gospel to be on Easter Sunday. So that was our hard deadline. Apparently we weren't allowed to move Easter It has to be this year on the 9th of April, which is also, as you remember, my birth, don't forget, very good. Uh, So so Easter Sunday is fixed there for us. We say we've got to work backwards here, and somehow i have got to get everything in before that, before Easter Sunday. At which point we regretted not having this conversation six months previously. Because it would have made our life a whole load, that's fair, isn't it? It would have made our life a a whole load easier. But as we were looking through the gospel and we're going, hey, we could divide it up there and we think there's something for that God wants to say to the church in that passage and here. We got to Mark chapter 10. I don't know if you remember, Tim, but uh, we got to Mark 10 and I'm like, I want to preach that bit there. Tim's like, Ooh, okay, well, if you really want to, that's fine. And uh, the reason that I want you to preach from Mark 10 and we get there today so you can be finding it in your Bible, be it a proper one, I do see some proper ones there, um, or, your, or your phone, whatever you've got. You can be finding it because the passage we're going to look at in Mark 10 reminded me of a preach that I heard several years ago. I've worked it out since. It was in 1997. Some of you weren't even born in 1997. Some of you were just sort of crawling around in nappies still. But I was at the Stonely Bible Week. Yay! Becky was there too. And um, maybe some others of you were in summer 1997 in in Stoneleigh near Coventry. And uh, I was there at this New Frontiers Bible Week. There would have been around about 20,000 of us there uh, for a week of worship and teaching and being together as church families and being in God's presence. And we had a guest speaker that year by the name of Ken Gott, from Sunderland, and he preached a message that he called the shout that stopped God. Now, bear in mind, this is in 1997. That is a few years ago. Those of you who are good at maths can tell me exactly how many, but that is many years ago. That's more than 25 years ago. I wonder how many of you can remember a preach From more than 25 years ago. I'm guessing not many of you can remember many preachers from 25 years ago, which is slightly humbling for those of us who spend much of our life doing it. But I remember this preach, and I don't remember everything about it, but I remember Ken preaching from Mark chapter 10. And so we're going to look at the passage together in a moment. And I remember Him having 20,000 people or so, all shouting this phrase, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And uh, when I saw it again in in Mark's Gospel, I said to him, I want to preach that. And it's not that I want to preach Ken's sermon. I deliberately haven't listened to it again recently because I didn't just want to try and re-preach something. I wanted to say, God, what have you got for us? but I knew straight away that I felt that God did have something for us in this day and in this time from this passage. So can we pray? And then we'll read it together and see what God has for us. Looking forward to it? So am I. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you've already been speaking to us this morning. And we pray now that your word would come alive to us, that Holy Spirit, you would take these written words of God and would you apply them to our lives individually and as a church. Come and do us good. Come come and feed us, Lord, from your words. We pray that we would have open hearts, open ears to hear what you have for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's read some verses together. Mark chapter 10. We'll we'll jump in early at verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, "Let let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I uh, I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, I answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, this is the rest of the disciples, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, "'Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me!' Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet." Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. We'll get into Bartimaeus in a minute, but I wanted to touch on the previous verses just briefly before we get there, because you may recall that we looked at these a few weeks ago. Okay, you might not remember a preach from 25 years ago, I'm really hoping that those of you who are here just two or three weeks ago might remember us looking at these verses. Anyone? One or two nods. You know how to encourage the preacher. This time, we've got James and John coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, we want to sit on either side of you in your glory. And you read it and you think, Guys, have you learnt nothing? Just a little bit earlier in in Mark's Gospel, just a a couple of pages before or so, just in chapter 9, they've got this whole lesson about who will be the greatest. And Jesus has taught them on this. And then in the subsequent chapter, we get it again and now they're coming and saying, "Hey Lord, can we can we sit on your right and the left, you know, have the prime seats in your glory? Can be can we be right up there with you?" It is not about who will be the greatest. They've totally missed the point. And again, Jesus has to teach them again about the same thing. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, then you need to be a servant. That's what he's saying. Put others before yourself. Learn to serve. And Jesus had taught them this once already, but clearly the penny had not dropped. Clearly they had not learnt the lesson. And we can be quite quick, can't we, to deride James and John go, Oh, what are they like? You know, we, we can be like the other disciples going, shh, tuts, tuts, but hey, friends, before we're quick to deride James and John, the truth is most of us have to be told the same thing numerous times before we get it. That's true in education, isn't it? If you're a teacher, you know that you need to, you need to communicate a truth about something or a fact that you want your students to learn probably more than once for it really to land. You maybe need to teach it in one way, demonstrate it in a different way, come back to it a week later to make sure it's been solidified and they've really understood the concept that you're trying to communicate. The same is true for us and the Lord, isn't it? Often it seems that God has to teach us things more than once. And for us, that's true, isn't it? And for the disciples, it's true. Only for the disciples, it's recorded in Scripture for millions and millions of people to read in years to come. The fact they didn't get it. But listen, the truth is we often don't get it either. And so Jesus is teaching them again the importance of serving, the importance of loving one another, the importance of putting other people before yourself, how to be great in the kingdom of God. And this is so countercultural, so different to the world we live in, it's worth us emphasizing it again. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, which is what James and John were after, prime seats either side of Jesus, if you want to be great, then you need to be a servant. If you want to be great, you need to be a servant. If you want to be great, you need to be a servant. Turn to the person next to you and say, if you want to be great, you need to be a servant. Come on, Eva, tell your dad. (laughs) Jesus wants us to get it here. He wants us to see it. He wants us to see the truth of it. Because just like Jesus... He could have demanded anything, but actually he came to serve. And here's our model, isn't it? Here's the one we're trying to uh, imitate. Here's the one we want to be like. We say, Lord, I want to be like you. We want to live like you. He came to serve, not to be served. Anyway, all that's a bonus. All that is extra to what I really want to get to today. But I didn't want to miss it because the fact that Mark records it for us twice, similar thing, slightly different, but Jesus teaching the same sort of lesson, it's important we don't miss it. So have we learnt that one? Can we tick that one off now? Is that one learnt on the uh, life application list? We'll come back to it another time, I'm sure. (laughs) So... What I want to get into this morning is this healing of the account of Bartimaeus. And like I said earlier, this is a message that I heard 25 plus years ago that has stuck with me ever since. And I believe it's got much to teach us today. So let's look then about what happened when Bartimaeus met Jesus or when Jesus met Bartimaeus. And if you are making notes, my title for this morning is the same as Ken's. It's The Shout That Stopped God. The Shout That Stopped God. And so that might be a good question to start with. How do you stop God? (laughs) You know, how do you do it? I mean, just think about it. Isn't that incredible that you can do that? Even just thinking about... The fact that a mere human being, Bartimaeus here, has the audacity, the confidence, maybe the desperation to stop the Son of God in his tracks. Wow. It seems outrageous, doesn't it? You could stop God. And Think about it for a moment. Is that really possible as a human being to stop Almighty God? Well, yes, it is. So we read here in the Gospel what Mark records for us. So we find Bartimaeus on the side of the road. So he's there on the side of the road begging. And we're told that he's blind. And the only way for him to eke out some sort of living is for him to call on people's mercy and beg for money. That's his day-to-day reality. That's what life looks like for him. And I imagine he got up with this day thinking it's going to be the same as every other day, where he'll sit on the side of the road and he'll sit there, not be able to see what's going on, but be able to hear people pass him, and him begging for their mercy and for their money. Not being able to see who's going past, not really being aware of exactly what's happening, but hearing something. Hearing somebody approach, and maybe he holds out a cap and begs for money. This is his day-to-day reality. This is what life looks like for him. Today may have been just like any other day in his expectation. But today was not going to be like any other day. It was going to be quite a different day. Because today, he hears not just the crowd going past, not just people going about their daily business, but he today hears that Jesus of Nazareth is in town. Maybe he's heard about what Jesus has been doing. Maybe he's heard that actually there's other people that he's healed. There's other people that he's ministered to. Other people that he's brought freedom and deliverance to. And Bartimaeus thinks, well, maybe if he's done it for them, he could do it for me. Why do want we share testimonies on a Sunday morning so that you can go away thinking, he's done it for them, maybe he could do it for me. So now Bartimaeus knows that Jesus is around. He's listening. He's thinking, is he, is he near yet? Is he near yet? Can I hear him? But he can't see. doesn't know where he is. So he starts calling out. Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me doesn't quite know where Jesus is. He can hear the crowd. He can hear the kerfuffle. He can hear the noise. People talking excitedly and following Jesus. Bartimaeus isn't quite sure where he is, so he starts to call louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And by this point, people are starting to get embarrassed. You know what it's like when someone is sort of acting outside what might be the cultural norm and appropriate behaviour, you start to get a bit uncomfortable. And people are thinking, just give it a rest, Bartimaeus. You know, quiet him down. Jesus doesn't need this. He's, he's busy. So people to tell him to stop, to be quiet. Does that quiet him down? Not at all. They rebuke him. They tell him to, to knock it off. But he doesn't. He keeps going, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then it gets really loud. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And now Jesus hears. And Jesus stops. Think about it for a moment. Jesus going about what he'd planned to be doing, talking to his disciples, interacting, teaching, he hears a voice. Through the crowd, through the noise, through the hubbub of everything that's going on, he hears an individual person crying out saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. And that is enough for Jesus to stop. Here is a blind beggar, one whose society looked down upon. He alone has just caused the Son of God to stop right in his tracks because he's called out saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Isn't that amazing? Don't you think that's incredible? That, you know, <clears throat> one whose society would have looked down upon would have been outcast. He was blind. He was a beggar. Nobody paid him any attention. And yet he called and the Son of God stopped. And Jesus comes to him and turns to him. And listen, you know what? If Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus, don't you think he'll stop for you? Do you ever think, I wonder if God's going to hear my prayer? I wonder if he'll pay me any attention? Do you ever think, oh, I wonder if it gets through? I wonder if he really hears. I wonder if he really knows. Have you ever asked those questions? Is it just me? We've all asked those questions thinking, I wonder if God is going to hear me today. I wonder if I can get through. But listen, we see here that Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus. And I'm telling you, friends, Jesus will stop for you too. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what do we learn? From Bartimaeus. We'll look at his healing in a minute. What do we learn from him? Well, firstly, he was persistent. He didn't give up, did he? He could have started, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And the crowd had gone, Bartimaeus, shut up. Jesus isn't interested in you. Be quiet. And that could have shut him down. And he might have missed his healing. But he didn't give up. How often do we start asking the Lord for something and then when well, it doesn't happen straight away, or we're not sure that God's heard or it doesn't seem to be working out how we'd hoped and prayed for, we go, oh, we just leave it. We can spiritualize that, can't we? We go, oh, maybe it's not the Lord's will. The truth is sometimes that is true. Sometimes it isn't the Lord's will to do something right there and then. But more often than not, that's us spiritualizing not being persistent. We just give up too quick. We go, oh, it's not the Lord's will. That's what Bartimaeus could have said, couldn't he? He could have had a couple of, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, it's not coming. Oh, it's not the Lord's will. But he was persistent. He kept going. He kept shouting and calling on God until Jesus stopped. And he got his chance. He didn't give up. He didn't get the answer he wanted straight away, but he kept going. He was persistent. He kept calling on Jesus. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was his only answer. The only answer that Bartimaeus had was Jesus. There was no other option for him. I mean, it was fab, wasn't it, to celebrate with Lucy earlier, her passing her GP exams. It's wonderful. Boy, are we grateful for medical expertise, aren't we? Yeah. We really are. And those of you who work in the healthcare sector, we love you and honor you and are very grateful for you. But Mice didn't have that option. He couldn't go and make an appointment with the eye consultant. It was Jesus or nothing. There was no other option for him. Nothing at all. And that forced him to be deliberate. It forced him to be persistent. He didn't give up. And I can think of other biblical characters like this as well, and I'm sure you can. Other biblical heroes of ours who, who held on and didn't give up and kept persisting, calling on God for the breakthrough that they needed. I'm reminded of Jacob in Genesis 32. I was reading it again this week. He finds himself wrestling with, well, who the Bible calls a man, in inverted commas, but was probably either an angel or indeed some form of God himself, actually. And and Jacob's wrestling with him. And he wrestles all night until he persuades the man to bless him. And in that moment, Jacob has his name changed to Israel. He receives God's blessing and empowering to live in the good of the promises that God made to Abraham. Well, he had to be persistent. Tell us that he rested all night. He held on until he was blessed, until God blessed him and made him the promises that he needed in his life. Bartimaeus was persistent because he knew that God alone was his only hope. So let me ask you, For you this morning, right where where you're sitting right now in your life, in your world, what do you need to call on the Lord for? What are you asking God for this morning? What are you asking him for? What may be the Holy Spirit encouraging you to be persistent about? Maybe if I can be as bold, what is it that may be you once started to ask God for but maybe stopped. Maybe you haven't seen come through yet and you're going, oh, maybe it's not the Lord's will. Maybe it is. Maybe he's calling you to be persistent. I just want to wait on the Lord for a moment. I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak. It's just Have a moment of quiet, and I'm going to ask that, that God would speak to you about what is it that the Holy Spirit would encourage you to ask the Lord for again. God, I pray you'd speak to us now. What is it that you're encouraging us to ask you for once again? What is it you want us to be persistent in, Lord, individually, in our families? Lord, in the church, what is it together that you're calling us to be persistent for and ask you for again? Pray you'd speak to us in these moments, Lord. and we pray that you would kindle faith once again in our hearts where it's where the fire's gone out almost where we've struggled to believe you for promises we pray you give us faith for it once again Amen So firstly, Bartimaeus was persistent Secondly, he was clear in what he asked for. Here is a guy that knows his only hope is in Jesus. So when Jesus asks him what he wants, his response could not be clearer. Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. I want my sight. That's what he's asking the Lord for, straight to the point. Said with confidence, boldness, faith, or maybe just desperation. Rabbi, I want to see. That's what I'm asking you for. (coughs) But he knew he was asking the impossible. This was not an everyday occurrence. This was not a regular happening, was it? But he was coming to Jesus saying, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. He knew he was asking for the impossible. But listen, haven't we got a God who specializes in the impossible? Isn't that what he loves to do? Isn't that how he loves to act? Where there's no other hope, where all other options are gone, that's when God loves to step in. We can say it's only you, Lord's. And he loves to respond to the prayers of his children or shouts of faith and desperation. You know, sometimes we miss it. When we're asking God for something, it's like we're almost afraid to ask for it. You ever been in those sort of prayer meetings? I've been in, I've been a Christian a long time, I've been in a lot of prayer meetings. And sometimes you get those sort of prayer meetings where you're calling on God and you're clear and you're asking for something and it's, you, you know what you're praying for. <clears throat> and sometimes you can be in the sort of prayer meetings where it's like people are going around the houses and not really getting to the point and praying for a blessing on somebody or that, you know, that God will be kind to them when actually what they should be praying is for someone's healing. It's like sometimes we're afraid to ask. I get that. I understand that. But Bartimaeus was clear. He asked God. He comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want my sight."s He knows it's impossible. But he comes to the God who loves to do the impossible. So what about you? What about you this morning? What are you asking God for? We've got Bartimaeus here who dared to call on the Lord, who dared to shout the loudest and call on Jesus when there was no other hope for him. Jesus stopped. And Jesus acted because of Bartimaeus calling on him. So, friends, this morning, what are you asking God for? What are you asking God for? Are you clear about it? Can you name it? Have you dared to name it before the Lord? What is it that you're asking him for? What have you perhaps given up on? You maybe thought, I wonder if the Lord could really, uh, really do this. I wonder if He could really move here. I wonder if He could really act. What have you perhaps given up on? That the, today you feel that prompt of the Holy Spirit. Prompting you to ask again. To come to the Father and say, Lord, would you move here? What is it that God might be calling you to be persistent about? Shireen, could you just come up and join us? I can't see where you are. Thank you. You know what, friends? I feel this morning... It's a moment in God. I feel like this morning there's a moment in God for us to call on the name of the Lord again. I feel like God would say, give it another go. Give it another go. And he wants to hear your cry this morning. He wants to hear your, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So, so, what is it for you? What is it that you are asking the Lord for? What is it that you are crying out for this morning? What would you, what do you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to dare to ask God for once again? Is it healing for you? It was a my eyes? wasn't it? Really clear, Rabbi. I want to see. So for him, it was super clear. Is it clear for you? Is it healing? Maybe for you? Maybe for someone that's close to you? Maybe it's for the salvation of a loved one, a parent or son or daughter, brother or sister or or friends. Friends, this morning I feel there's a moment in God for us to call on His name once again. I feel there's grace for it. And I feel the Holy Spirit is prompting us to dare to ask again. But you know what? It requires some boldness. Bartimaeus was bold. He was desperate, yes, but he was bold in daring to call that Jesus would stop and have mercy on. just the sort of prayers that Jesus loves to answer so friends this morning if you feel that stirring of the spirit if you feel the Lord speaking to you if you know there's something that you need to call on the Lord for I want you to stand just where you are just a serene place for us just where you are just stand What is it that you're calling on God for this morning? I don't even know what it is because He knows. He can see. But I feel He would say to you this morning, "Is a moment in time for you to call on His name again. And it may be that this is something that has been part of your life for years and years and years. And maybe you've spiritualized it and said, oh, it's not the Lord's will. feel God would say to you this morning, it's time to ask again. I just want to begin to call on the Lord's name. And I don't mind whether you pray quietly or pray loudly or shout or whatever you want to do. But it's a serene place, so there's there's already some noise in the room. I want to encourage you, call on the name of the Lord's. What is it for you? Is it salvation for someone close to you? Is it healing for you or a loved one? Is it a breakthrough in a relationship or a job situation? Is it the finance that you feel has got stuck? Just begin to call out. Just begin to pray out, out loud. So it's not that I can hear you or the person next to you, but the Lord is just encouraging you to speak it out. Speak out your prayers. Let's lift our voices together and say, God, would you act? Would you move this situation that's requiring your breakthrough? This loved one that you want to see God move in their life, just bring them to him now. Let's bring them to him now. Say, God, would you move? We, we cry to you this morning, Lord. And God, just as you had mercy on Bartimaeus, we say, Lord, would you hear the cries of your people this morning? Have mercy, Lord. Would you move? Just lift your voices to Him. Just call on Him. Just be specific. Ask Him for what it is. What is it specifically? Name it. Just describe it to Him. What is it that you are asking God to do? So, God, have mercy. Would you move? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. (laughs) Father, I want to pray for my dear friends who are standing right now and I want to pray where faith has grown weak that you would blow on them this morning by your Spirit and faith will be ignited afresh in Jesus' name. Lord, that you might answer cries of the heart Prayers of desperation that you might see and act in Jesus' name. We say, Holy Spirit, be at work. Stir faith up afresh because you are the God who acts just like we've heard it this morning, Lord. Because you could do it for them. You can do it for me. You can do it for Bartimaeus. So you can do it for us, Lords. So, Holy Spirit, would you, would you work? Lord, we pray that today will be a day of breakthrough. Let there be breakthrough in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. just feel the mercy of God just tenderly encouraging you to come to Him afresh and you might think, oh but I've sort of given up on this, listen there's no judgement from the Lord on that this morning I just feel there's, there's mercy from heaven and He's tenderly saying just ask me again ask me again it's not a critical ask me again, it's a Invitation full of love and mercy and grace, saying, Hey, ask me again. I'm the God who loves to act, ask me again. I'm the God who loves to move, ask me again. I'm the God who loves to heal. Ask me again. And Father, I pray that you would fill your church with stories of you moving and responding to prayers of faith. God, we ask you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Just take your seats, because we haven't finished the story just yet. Thanks, Shereen. We haven't finished the story just yet, because we haven't considered how it ended. It's like we've got to the penultimate chapter, and we can't finish just yet, can we? So what happens next? Jesus stops. Bartimaeus has called on him. Jesus stops and says, Call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. What happens next? Firstly, have you ever seen this? I've never seen this before until this week. It says this. Firstly, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. You might think, Oh, actually, just getting untangled and running to Jesus. Listen. For a beggar, his cloak was everything. It's what kept him warm at night. It's what kept the sun off him during the day. And so for a beggar, that their cloak's really important. But for one who was blind and begging, how much more so? Because if he throws it aside, he doesn't know where it is. We're told that he throws it aside, jumps to his feet, and comes to Jesus. I've read that countless times, but never noted the significance of this. He put aside what was part of his previous existence which he now realises is no longer necessary. Do you notice this? Jesus hasn't healed him yet. It's not that Jesus healed him and then he said, oh, don't need the cloak anymore, I'm all good, we'll leave it to one side. No. As soon as he realised that Jesus had called him, he knew it's going to happen. So at that point, he throws the cloak aside goes to Jesus, fully expecting that Jesus is able to meet his needs. He puts aside anything that he's holding on to that could hold him back from following Jesus fully. He knows he doesn't need it anymore. It's part of his old life. He knows that's part of his old identity. But he knows his identity is about to change because he's meeting the Son of God. And he puts it aside and comes to Jesus because he knows it is no longer required. Listen, let me ask you this. What are you still holding on to that you don't need to anymore? What are you still holding on to that you don't need to anymore? What do you need to let go of in order to fully follow Jesus? I don't think it's a cloak. But what is it for you? Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's something else you're holding on to that this morning the Holy Spirit would nudge you and encourage you to put aside and let go of. Sarah and I saw some friends yesterday. We haven't seen them in I don't know how many years, like like a long, long time. They were her youth leaders when she was growing up. I'm saying to the kids, "Get some stories about Mum when she was growing up." <laughs> and we, we were chatting to these guys yesterday. It's so lovely to see them. But they've had a tough couple of years. Two people in their family have died far, far too young, just in the last couple of years. And if anybody could be upset, angry with God, bitter. It it could have been them. The pain that they've walked through as a family is just horrible and awful. Yet here we are talking to them. They are full of God, full of grace, full of what God is doing in their life and in their family and in the church. They're so excited to talk about what God's happening, so excited to find out what God's doing in our lives and what we're involved in. And we, 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 came, we reflected, we came away feeling so encouraged and ministered to. We're like, wow, weren't they so encouraging to us? Wasn't it such a blessing to us? Wasn't it such an uplifting conversation that we were able to have? And yet they had walked through so much pain in recent past listen, God can use you whatever you're going through or have been through. It's like Martin was saying earlier. Have that choice to allow God to use us. They'd make the choice. God was using them mightily even though they have been through so much pain. They weren't holding on to it. So this morning, what is there something you need to let go of It's like Bartimaeus let go of his cloak. Listen, you don't have to have it all together for God to use you. Isn't that good news? I think that's really good news. You don't have to have it all together for God to use you. Bartimaeus could have held on to his cloak just in case it didn't work out. But he didn't. He threw it aside and follow Jesus. Jesus heals Bartimaeus, and Mark tells us that he immediately followed Jesus along the road, and that should be our response, shouldn't it? Immediately following Jesus along the road. We follow him. We stay close to him. If you just had an encounter with Jesus, where do you need to stay? Real close, and that's what he does. He follows Jesus down the road. Don't wander off in the other direction. If God's met you, maybe this morning you feel God has spoken to you, encouraged you, ministered to you. Don't wander off in the other direction. Stay close to Jesus. Keep following him. He's got more for you. For Bartimaeus, receiving his sight wasn't the end of the story. Actually, it was just the beginning. The beginning of God's work in his life. Now he's following Jesus. That is an exciting place to be, isn't it? And just as it was for him, so it is for us we're called to follow, just like the early disciples, just like Bartimaeus. Actually, for him, his greatest healing wasn't just receiving his sight. It's what Jesus was doing in his heart. And the same is true for us as well. So we've gone way over time. And please apologize to the kids' leaders. When you pick your children up, you can blame me but we're going to close by praying for healing. Because you can't really have a, a, a an account in the Gospels of Jesus healing and then not pray. And so I, I feel like we've already ministered in some degree to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts about some things. But this morning, if you are sick, if you are in pain, if you are ill in some way, I'd love us to pray for you. For Bartimaeus, the shout that stopped God changed his life. For you this morning, you calling on God afresh will change your life. Let's stand together. Can a band come back up, please, or what's left of them? Maybe you stood earlier for this. Maybe when you stood and were calling on the Lord, maybe it was healing for you. and that, That's fine. But just as the guys play, we're going to finish in a moment. I, I'm aware we're well over time. Then if this morning you'd like us to pray for you, if you are sick and in pain, this as the band, band begins to play, if you can make your way down here. If you are unable to make your way down here because of the pain you're in, Wave at me and we'll come to you, okay? Is that all right? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this account of Bartimaeus. Thank you that he dared to call on you and you stopped and you acted. And you were at work in his life. And so this morning we pray that faith would arise afresh in our hearts that, God, we would believe you once again. We would see you work and see you move. And right now, Lord, we pray for any who are sick and in pain amongst us. That's you this morning. Just begin to make your way to the front, or just wave at me if you can't make it. And we pray, oh God, that you would be at work. Holy Spirit thank you Lord this passage teaches us that you are a God who loves to heal and so Lord Jesus we pray this morning that you would be at work and that you would heal in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you God just lift your hands to the Lord thank you Father Can I ask some folk from the church to come and pray, please? If you're part of Jubilee and used to pray. Can you come and stand with these guys, please? I need a couple of ladies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're at work. We love you. We honour you. We bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to carry on praying now. The band are going to keep playing. But we'll close the meeting there.